Hey, hey, this is Mindful Mostly, a show for those of us who are mindful most of the time, or at least we want to be. It's about lifestyle, wellness, modern spirituality, careers, living your best life in the most down-to-earth way possible. I'm Andrea Collins. Hey, if you dig this show, please rate and review it on iTunes. Plus, check out MindfulMostly.com for lots of great freebies and the new moon kit, the super tools you need for the life that you dream of. On today's show, the founder of Tiny Trash Can, Tippy Thole, is here. She's going to tell us how to go trash-free and lower our environmental impact when it comes to waste and plastics in 2020. After the holidays, it's something that we all think a little bit more about, right? Especially when you're like surrounded in boxes and gift bags and tissue paper and kids' toys and things that you probably don't even need. It's just so much consumption, so much overindulgence, and it just makes you want to just start composting your life away. So today, that's what we're going to try to get in the habit of doing because I don't know about you, but more and more, I feel ickier and ickier when I overuse and overconsume. like especially when it comes to plastics, like the grocery store. What is up with the grocery store? Why is ev- I once saw in a grocery store, and I'm sure you've seen this too, an apple wrapped in cellophane, wrapped in plastic again, and then in a bag. Why? Today, Tippy Thole is on the show to give us some tips to get way more environmentally friendly. Basically, you're going to want the trash can to be the smallest bin in your house. She has such great hacks for natural home cleaners as well, and a great tip for sponges, hair products, minimizing waste, plus some documentary recommendations for her as well if you need some help getting inspired. Before we get to Tippy, though, I want to ask you, are you tired of longing for your dreams to come true? We're talking like meeting that dream partner, scoring that sweet job, or living with the freedom you've always wanted, or living on the beach, whatever it is. Here is the clarity and attraction super tools you need to bring it all into fruition, sister. It is the Mindful Mostly New Moon Kit. This is a powerful monthly practice to create unimaginable abundance in your life with super tools that intensify manifesting and take you to the next magnetic level. The kit includes a customizable writing tool to craft your messages and intention to the universe. Guided new moon magnetism session. You just press play and you are immersed in affirmations, visualization, and meditation all in one audio capsule. So it's super simple. It's all in one place. There's a sacred burn technique where you learn to burn your intentions in the most powerful way. It's a technique that's been buried for hundreds of years supercharged new moon mantras to be recited throughout your day or month. These statements add power and energy to your intentions and so much more. So are you ready to get what you want? Grab the Mindful Mostly New Moon Kit at mindfulmostly.com. Okay, let's talk to Tippy. On the line with Tippy Thole. Hi. Hi. Um, so, okay, I I find 
you incredibly inspiring. Uh, for anybody that's trying to minimize their waste in 2020, this really isn't just a trend. This needs to be an entire life shift. So a lot of people find it a bit overwhelming. Um, whereas if you just start doing it, I'm sure that it becomes second nature. And that's kind of what you have done in your life. Can you tell me a bit more about yourself and your journey to going trashless? Yes. Um, so, you know, I always considered myself an eco-conscious person. Um, I always tried to make the most environmentally friendly choice possible. Um, you know, I recycled, I composted. When I had my son 10 years ago, I even put him in cloth diapers. So this was something that was always close to my heart. And I think prior to learning about, you know, the immense problems with plastic, I thought I was doing everything I could to protect the planet. And then once I learned about plastic and, you know, <laughs> how it harms the planet at every stage of its life cycle, how it's toxic to us and animals, how it can't truly be recycled, how it never goes away, um, I just, I decided that I wanted to stop contributing to the problem, even though I couldn't go and on a cleanup expedition or something like that. I mean, I'm, I'm a mom at home. Um, I decided I could stop using plastic. And so, and since that was pretty much all of my trash, um, reducing my plastic shrunk my trash considerably. Hmm. And so now are your kids, um, did your kids find it easy as well? I mean, obviously you're making most of the decisions as their parent, but um, is this something your children also consider? Yes. Well, so I have one son. Um, he was eight when we started. He's 10 now. And this was something that we made a New Year's resolution, actually, um, on January 1st, 2018. And we did this together. Um, prior to New Year's, I think it was in the month of December, we started watching uh, documentaries about uh, the environment, about plastic. And so he understood the issues and was totally on board. And he just, I think like a lot of kids, he loves animals, he loves nature. And so I think for kids, it's kind of a no brainer. Um, they don't have to make a lot of the purchasing choices and things. They just kind of see it as a black and white issue. Yeah, plastic's bad, we should stop using plastic. So it was, it was a very easy sell. Um, and then as we started making the changes, um, you know, this was something in terms of grocery shopping, um, buying secondhand, these were things that we did to reduce our, our plastic and our trash. Cool. Now, and that's so great because that's going to stick with him for a lifetime, you know, and, and thank God for the next generation. I do feel like they'll, they'll probably create change when it comes to plastics, or at least I hope so, because, you know, it's, it's, it's overwhelming when you start to really keep track of how much boxes and plastics and plastic wrap and Tetra boxes and soup cartons and almond milk cartons you're using every week. I, I say those because those are the ones that I've really noticed in my life. And even though a lot of them I can put in the recycling bin, I just know, I just know <laughs> that it's kind of, um, the recycling bin is almost a bin where we feel like there, I did something good. But like you said, you know, you hear these stories of giant cargo ships full of our trash and recycling going to Indonesia and then them saying, we're not taking anymore. We can't handle any more of your recycling. And then all of that ending up in the ocean, you know? Um, I totally agree. I mean, actually my new year's resolution this year is to reduce my recycling. So 
Last year, I put our recycling bin to the curb four times uh, instead of 52. And wow. this year, I'm hoping to see if I can get that down to two or three recycling bins for the entire year. And it's, it's exactly what you said. I mean, it, it, tossing things into that blue bin might make us feel better, but it's essentially a second garbage can. And it's full of materials that we hope will get recycled but there's no guarantee. And plastic especially is a problem. I think right now the, the statistic is only about 9% of all the plastic ever created has actually been recycled. Oh my God. Yeah, it's sobering. It's so scary. It's so scary. So how can the average person stop creating so much trash? Can you give us a couple of tips that we can start implementing now? Yes. So I would say um, I could probably break it down into like three three steps. Um, the first one is becoming aware of how much we're throwing away. I mean, it sounds like you've um, already started giving that some thought. Uh, the average Canadian produces two kilograms of trash every day. So that's a lot of trash. Um, wow. So what I recommend at home is if you can get rid of all the trash cans in your house, except for one. And this is a really small thing, but it makes you so much more conscious of what you're throwing away. So like in my family, what I did is I replaced our main trash can, which happened to be in the kitchen, um, with a small waste basket that used to be in our bathroom. And then I got rid of all the other trash cans in the house. Hmm. And this makes it, it makes it a little less convenient to throw things away. Um, and it prompted us to question every single piece of trash. And I think just being conscious of our waste is really the first step to wasting less. And if you want to get really serious about shrinking your trash, I'd encourage you to bring home all the trash that you create outside of the home. Hmm. So, you know, the stuff that we throw away at work or at restaurants, that's still our trash. So I think by bringing it all home and, and really being aware of how much trash we're responsible for, I think it helps us see and understand the impact of our daily choices. Mm -hmm. And then I, I think the second step, once you become aware of it, is to simply find alternatives to what you're throwing away. Um, everyone's trash looks different because everyone's lifestyle is different. So I think the key is to pick one item of trash to eliminate. And you know, for some people that might be disposable coffee cups or takeout containers, you know, whatever you see that you're, you're finding a lot of in your trash on a regular basis. For my family, about 80% of our garbage came from groceries. So that meant we needed to find new ways to get our food if we really wanted to make a substantial dent in our trash. So now we shop at bulk stores where we can refill our own containers. We try to grow as much as we can in our garden in the summer. And so by making those changes, we were able to substantially shrink our trash. And so, you know, once you uh, make one change and you feel like you've got that mastered, then try another and then another. Um, and I think that way you don't get overwhelmed by making too many changes at once. And, uh, you know, I found anyway that it feels really good <laughs> to shrink trash because it's, it's so tangible. It's something we can see. It's something we can measure, which is really different than like carbon footprints and greenhouse gas emissions. You know, this is something mm. that we can see our efforts paying off right away. And I find that encourages us to make more changes. It creates this like positive feedback loop. And at least for me, I found it to be kind of addictive. <laughs> for sure. 
when I stand in line at the coffee shop and I, I, cause I have to say, I've been pretty good with um, never using disposable cups or water bottles. I shouldn't say never. If I am in a situation where I really, really want a coffee or I'm so thirsty and it's the only option, then yes, I'll get a coffee cup, which is probably bad. I probably just should forego the coffee in that situation. But I have to say, I usually bring my mason jar everywhere so that anything can go in there, you know? coffee, water, you name it. Um, but when I'm in line at the coffee shop, it, it makes me so sad because I see um, nine out of 10 people in the line not having a reusable cup and getting, you know, their, their morning routine. Every morning they go to that place and they use that cup and that cup is not recyclable. We know this now. Yes. Um, I feel like disposable cups, straws, and plastic water bottles should be illegal. Um, or, you know, we should stop, they should be banned because if we do not have the option, we will no longer rely on them and we'll have to bring our own mason jar. How do we get the world to stop creating and relying on so much plastic? Well, <laughs> you know, I think it starts with individuals and mostly because that's really the only thing we have immediate control over um, unless we decide to run for office. <laughs> And, you know, I find that there's so much we can do without being forced to. I think when we, when people hear that we should be doing all these bans, I think there's going to be a, a portion of the population who's going to be resistant and say, you know, you're taking away my choice. You know, how can you force me to do this? But I think there's so much we can do without being forced to. And I find that's what I find to be so encouraging and um, why I still find hope. <laughs> you know, I think, yes, of course, governments and companies can be doing way better. But, you know, honestly, we can't ask our collective organizations to do something that we ourselves aren't willing to do. So what I love about waste reduction is that it's something we can all start doing right away to help the planet. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, it does. It, it all starts with us as the individual. You have to yeah. make that choice. And, you know, and we don't need to wait for governments to pass laws or for companies to do the right thing. We can start changing the world by simply changing our habits. You know, and I like to think that if more people had tiny trash cans, we'd have more people requesting sustainable alternatives from businesses. We'd have more people demanding action from politicians. I think as citizens and, you know, how companies like to refer to us as consumers, you know, we underestimate our power. Um, these companies are not going to change without feeling that they're, um, that they're feeling pressure from people. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a question that I've heard before, and I've asked, also um, asked myself this question. When it comes to composting, I thought this was really interesting. I was looking at your website. I was reading about how your tiny trash can was sort of the, um, the motivator to, to produce less waste. And so you had a larger recycling bin and you had a larger compost bin, which just makes so much sense. Um, but I thought... I, and I, cause I have a tiny compost bin on my kitchen counter. And it's funny, you mentioned in your blog post, uh, it was always a drag to have to take <laughs> it outside, you know, every couple of days in the winter in Canada, like who wants to do that? Right. So it was, it was demotivating. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, but some people say, yeah, but if I'm putting uh, orange peels, whatever, like compostables in the garbage can, won't they compost on their own at the garbage dump? Yes. This is a huge misconception. Conception. I'm so glad you brought it up. I think a lot of people think that landfills are essentially these giant compost heaps 
where things will just naturally biodegrade. But that is very, very far from the truth. Like landfills are actually um, designed to not let things biodegrade. They're actually designed to prevent that from happening. So when we send organic materials like food waste, yard waste uh, to our garbage and it ends up in a landfill, um, because it's prevented from decomposing naturally, um, in order for organic materials to decompose properly, they need oxygen. Landfills are actually oxygen-free areas. And so when they do inevitably try to decompose, they decompose using a different chemical um, process and it creates methane, which is a greenhouse gas that's up to 100 times more potent than carbon dioxide. Wow. So that's, that's kind of where uh, trash and climate change, uh, well, one of the many places that trash and climate change intersect. So yes, when we, we put things in the wrong um, place, it makes a big difference. Um, the other thing that's interesting about carbon dioxide and methane, carbon dioxide, uh, unfortunately, persists in the atmosphere for like 100 years. Methane, on the other hand, um, only is in the atmosphere for 10 or 12 years. So by reducing our methane emissions, we have a chance to make a, a big change in climate change in a small amount of time, which is kind of where we're at right now. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Uh, when it came to, and, and actually, one thing I have to tell you that I think is cool is that a lot of cities are taking the initiative to up our compostables. For instance, in the city where I live, Toronto, um, we can pay a few hundred dollars a year to have a really, really big garbage can or very little to have a smaller one. Whereas our giant recycling bin and our big compostable bin, those remain the same price. Um, so they're encouraging more of that and less of the garbage. You pay more for the more garbage you create, which makes sense. And we have curbside, uh, compost pickup, which I know, uh, is I think pretty progressive. Does Montreal have that? Much, I think uh, different areas of Montreal um, have it, and my uh, town just recently started it on October 1st, which is so exciting. And when they started weekly compost pickups, they actually cut back the trash pickup to every other week. Mm, yeah, that's great. They, they did that here as well. And I think we'll see cities make, make these changes more and more, at least that's the hope. Um, I think in Canada, for sure, and in certain states in the US, and I, I, they may already be doing it. I'm not that familiar. But the more we see this, the better, because it saves people money to not produce yes. as much garbage. Now, uh, I was looking at your website, tinytrashcan.com, and there are so many good hacks. So <laughs> one of them that I was really impressed with is that when it came to your kitchen sponge, you went and you bought like a, a big $15 loofah that you would use for the shower and then cut it up into sponges. Is this correct? Yes. I love that. Tell me, could, so where do we go get a giant loofah like that that isn't like $40? <laughs> I th you know, I think mine might have been even less expensive than that. It might have been only 11 And the thing is like two feet long. So I figure... I can make about 12 sponges, and I am just now about to compost the first sponge I made almost two years ago, just to give you an idea of how long these little things last. Um, That's incredible, because loofahs are compostable. They're compostable. It's actually um, a plant. It's a, a squash plant. Um, depending on where you live, you can actually grow your own. I'm not sure we in Toronto and Montreal would be as lucky. I don't think our growing season is long enough, but 
that's one option is to grow your own loofah plants. Um, I got mine at a, a zero waste store, uh, but I think that you could probably find them at eco-friendly boutiques. I mean, loofahs aren't that unusual. Um, it would just be a matter of finding one that's unpackaged or maybe just packaged with just paper. Um, but even if you just got one that was sold in your normal like pharmacy in the like bath aisle, I mean, that's fine too. It's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, another hack that you had was uh, if you have, you know, make your coffee at home, make it in a French press or an espresso machine. And if you do use a Keurig machine, you can get the reusable K cup and then put your ground coffee in that. Yes. And you know what? I'm so excited. I actually, that was um, something I just did with my mom. My mom has been <laughs> following my efforts. And at first, she kind of thought I was crazy. And now she's kind of, you know, Every time she's ready to try something new, she kind of asks me, like, what do you think I should do? And so this, right before Christmas, she told me, you know, I, I think when you, when you come home for Christmas, I'd like for you to show me how I can, um, you know, do the reusable cups because she also has a Keurig machine. Mm. And so I got her some, a set of four reusable Keurig cups, and then we went to the grocery store together her normal grocery store, and they have a section where you can buy bulk beans and like a brown paper bag. Yep. And right next to that, they have um, a machine where you can grind it yourself. So we simply picked the espresso um, setting. We ground her coffee for her. And then when we got home, uh, we put like a tablespoon or two in a little reusable cup. And we basically turned her Keurig machine into a traditional espresso machine. That's so, that's so good. That's and she's so excited because now she can still use her machine. She doesn't feel guilty. And she was just flabbergasted at how easy this was. And she had never really noticed that she could buy her beans loose or even grind them herself. I think she kind of thought, oh, this is impossible. But yeah. uh, it, was, it was pretty easy. And so, yeah, she's sold on it. She's super excited. Nice. And just goes to show <laughs> when we start doing it, the people around us inevitably start being more conscious as well. That well, makes exactly. me think that a few years ago, Keurig sent me a machine. I was on the radio and they sent me a machine and I wrote them back and, I, and, and a bunch of pods. And I wrote them back and I said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to use this because I don't believe in using a disposable cup for every single cup of coffee I make. And that's also because I was fine making one pot of coffee and drinking it myself. <laughs> but they, so they sent me a K-cup and I thought, okay, that's cool. They've already thought about this. And this was like, this is probably five years ago um, because I get it. If it's just you, you don't necessarily want to make a whole pot of coffee. So the K-cup, go ahead and get it. Okay, another <laughs> one that you recommend is using a bar of soap. A lot of us probably already use a bar of soap in the shower, but maybe not. I guess a lot of people are using body wash in a bottle, right? Exactly. Um, that's such an easy switch. If you can replace uh, the liquid soap in your home uh, with bar soap, so that's like next to your sink when you wash your hands, it's in the shower. It can even be um, when you do your dishes, you can actually get dish soap in a solid form. Um, in all these cases, you'd eliminate the plastic bottle. Um, I'm lucky enough here in Montreal, we do have several zero waste stores, stores where I can refill liquid soaps, but a lot of people don't have that. And so switching to bar soap is an easy way to eliminate plastic bottles and the bar soaps last so much longer. Mm -hmm. Now I've never used a bar for shampoo or conditioner. How do they work? Um, so <laughs> I, this is one of the things that I've actually had a hard time transitioning to. Um, I tried bar soaps um, for shampoo and at first it seemed to be working okay and then it didn't and so now my son uses them and it works great for his hair i have really long thick hair and i have yet to find a bar shampoo bar that works for me 
But um, basically, the shampoo bar or the conditioner bar, you would just wet it and lather it up like you would normally do a bar of soap, and then you just put it into your hair. Your hair should be like really wet before you do it, mm-hmm. and then you rinse it out like normal. I think it's just one of those things you have to experiment with because it's going to take a few tries <laughs> because these things last so long. Um, in the meantime, until my son is able to use up the bars of shampoo that I gave him, um, I'm using liquid shampoo actually that I can refill um, nearby that's produced locally. But um, yeah, I, I hear that there are like lush shampoo bars and conditioner bars apparently are amazing. Hmm. There's lots of companies that make them um, and bigger companies are starting to adopt the trend. Uh, so it's just a matter of trying to find one that works for you. And I think that's true for any of these changes is there's so many options that are more sustainable than the conventional option. And just making an effort to try to make a better choice is already wonderful. Mm-hmm. Now, I think a, a lot of people, and this was what you were talking about in Real Simple Magazine, when they hear this, they're like, okay, great. I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy this and this and this and this. I'm going to buy a little <laughs> And, but we should first try to re <coughs> excuse me one sec <coughs> but we should first try to reuse or repurpose what we already have in the house is that right yes i mean i actually one of the, the one of the things that i think the average person can do to create so much trash is just to stop buying stuff i mean i would even encourage people to try to go a month without buying anything new because i think we'll you soon find that you have just about everything you need already and it actually encourages you to start getting creative with things i mean an an example is a very small example but um in the spring i was cutting flowers and rather than have a vase you know you just look in your kitchen you can find a big glass you can find a mason jar you can find a pantry jar that'll do the job you don't need to go out and buy a vase specifically for flowers and there's so many things in our home that are multi-purpose multifunctional um and we already have chances are, um, you know, containers that close in some way. So we don't need to go out and buy new reusable containers because we want to live zero waste. Just use what we have for as long as we can. Nice. Now, when it comes to making your own cleaners, um, I am always, it's perfect because I've just run out of like my honest company cleaner in one of the bottles. So I'm like, yes, okay, I'm going to make my cleaner. What is, uh, I know on your website, you have this awesome recipe for um, sort of stewing lemon peel and vinegar for a couple of weeks and then adding it to the water and using that as a cleaner. But can you also tell us... um, What's the like basic home cleaner recipe that you then add some essential oils to? Okay, so it's it's so easy <laughs> that you don't even really need a recipe. So basically, it's just half vinegar, half water. Okay. That's basically the recipe. Um, if you're able to find um, a, a cleaning vin- vinegar instead of cooking vinegar, I think cooking vinegar is only like, let's say 3%. Um, and cleaning vinegars can be like 5 or even 12%. If you can find a stronger vinegar, I, I would say that's a little bit better. But basically, you just cut it in half. You just dilute it with water. And then, you know, a lot of people don't like the smell of vinegar. Um, and so there's different ways that you can change the scent. Um, one is just adding a few drops of essential oil into that and uh, you're done. That's basically the whole recipe right there. Um, if you want to take it a step further, um, that's what I do is I keep my lemon peels um, as a way to just sort of reuse something before I compost it. And I just put it in some vinegar 
And that way, whenever I need to make um, some cleaner, I actually just use that vinegar. And then it's already infused with a nice lemon smell. And then you also get the like additional cleaning power of lemon. Oh, that's so smart. So do we, can we literally use the same, like, can you, do you just want the peel or are the bits of the insides okay too? Um, a little bits of the inside are okay too because you're going to strain it out, but you don't want too much of the flesh. Like you don't want to be putting like lemon slices in there because um, there could be like some sugar and stuff in there. And then that could kind of make your cleaner a little bit syrupy and you don't, the last thing you want when you're cleaning something is to then make it sticky. <laughs> yes. So you, you want to focus more on the peels um, and then you just, you strain those out before you add it in with water. And are you always kind of topping up the vinegar, throwing in an extra peel as you, as you go? Is it always sort of brewing under your kitchen sink? <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start doing that. That, that, cause I, when I first read the recipe, I was like, Ooh, that takes like two weeks to infuse the vinegar with the lemon. But if you're just always in the habit of having that little jar under there doing its thing and then using the vinegar when you need it, that seems, exactly. that seems, that seems easy. We can do yeah. that. Um, now your site has so much great inspiration when it comes to reducing waste in the home, uh, all the rooms in your home, when you're grocery shopping, recipes, eating out, travel. I mean, air travel is so bad for the environment, kids, pets, you name it. Um, but there's one last one I want to get to, which is eating less meat. We always hear that, that, uh, beef especially is terrible yeah. for the environment, Let's say people love meat, uh, but they are willing to, to cut some of it out of their lives. Where should they start? Um, if, I guess like the easy step would be, like you said, to eliminate beef and lamb, which have the highest carbon footprint. So replacing those with chicken or turkey. Um, the way we started reducing our meat, and this happened several years ago, like when my child was very, very young because he didn't like meat. And so we actually started doing meatless Mondays. Mm -hmm. And that was a really uh, gentle way to introduce more vegetarian recipes into like our weekly menu. And then it kind of got to the point where we liked so many of those dishes so much that it ended up being meatless Monday and Wednesday and Thursday, you know, <laughs> yeah. because they ended up being um, so good. And eventually we kind of got to the point where we were doing week, um, meatless weekdays. Uh, so this idea of kind of only eating meat on the weekends and then during the week, not eating any meat. So, I mean, there's lots of ways. I think the important thing is to try to eat less and, you know, this saves money. And then if you're trying to reduce your trash, um, you know, usually meat comes wrapped in some sort of plastic, right? So you're, you're kind of hitting lots of different things at the same time. But it's not all or nothing. I think if you can go completely vegetarian or vegan, that's awesome and amazing. But I don't want to discourage people from feeling like, well, if I can't give myself the label of vegetarian or I can't give myself the label of vegan, I might as well not try. Mm -hmm. I think, and you know, even if you were able to cut your meat consumption in half, I mean, that is huge. For sure. We, Steve and I have a rule where we no longer buy beef, but if we go to someone's house and they're serving it, cool. Or if we go... <laughs> If we go for dinner and like we really want the bolognese pasta, then we'll get it, but we just won't buy it. And that's been our rule for many meats. We just generally do tofu 
or no meat at no substitutes, chicken and, uh, and fish, but, uh, I would like to eliminate those even more. So like you said, it's okay to do it in stages. One thing that I always notice at the grocery store, and this has been a really easy one for me, um, or not to say it's been an easy one to adopt, I should say, is that especially in the summer when you go to the grocery store, if you're not going to a farmer's market and you see an eggplant and then beside it, there's another eggplant, one's from Mexico and one's from Ontario or, you know, Quebec or wherever, always get the one that's closest to home. Yes. Because that's, that's so easy when you, especially when you look at the apples. There's always ones from like California, Mexico, Fiji, and then there's like three from Canada. And it's like, we should only be getting the ones from Canada. I totally agree. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I feel inspired after talking to you. I feel like your methods are simple. They're not, uh, they're not shrouded in shame. You really are trying to encourage people in the most down-to-earth way possible. Um, how can people get even more inspired by you uh tiny and your insta handle uh tiny.trash.can <laughs> <laughs> tiffy thanks so much for coming on the show thank you so much andrea tiffy hey i wanted to make mention that uh after our chat got an email from tiffy where she mentioned some of her favorite documentaries on this topic. Here's three of them. A Plastic Ocean, Before the Flood, mm, Leonardo DiCaprio's in that one too, and Trashed with Jeremy Irons. Check those out. She said she watched those with her son too, so great ones to watch with the kids, although it may instill a fear of the end of the world in them, but I guess that's okay. <laughs> if only we had had that, right? We might consume less. Thank God for the next generation. Well, I'm Andrea Collins. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. We will be back next time. In the meantime, rate and review on iTunes. It helps the podcast so much. Plus, join the community on Instagram at Mindful Mostly. Get all the delicious freebies at mindfulmostly.com and the Mindful Mostly New Moon Kit, the super tools you need for the beautiful life you dream of in 2020. All right. I'll talk to you next time right here on Mindful Mostly.